0: You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. This episode of the Sportsman's Empire is brought to you by Interstate Batteries. Since 1952, Interstate Batteries has been evoking compassion and a trustworthy spirit into the surrounding communities. Interstate Batteries is a mission-driven company fueled by purpose and guided by
1: their values. If you need help locating a specific battery, stop into your local Interstate Batteries
0: retail store and speak with a battery specialist. They even offer cell phone repairs. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. You're listening to The Pennsylvania Woodsman, powered by Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network.
1: This show is driven to provide relatable hunting and outdoor content
0: in the Keystone State and surrounding Northeast. On this show, you'll hear an array of perspectives from biologists and industry professionals to average Joes with a lifetime of knowledge. All centered around values aiming to be better outdoorsmen and women, both in the field as well as home and daily life.
1: No clicks, no self interest just
0: delight in the pursuit of creation. And now, your host, the pride of Pennsylvania, the man who shoots straight and won't steer you wrong,
1: Johnny Appleseed himself, Mitchell Shirk. Mitchell Shirk. Mitchell Shirk. Mitchell Shirk. Hey, welcome back, everybody. You made it through. If you're listening to this, it's hard to believe we are in the last week of February, and hope you are doing well. I know I was elated this week when we got the warm weather that we did 60 degrees on monday um got to be out and about outside a little bit and fun part was actually got done work at a decent time and took the boys to the playground i can't get over watching these kids uh grow The my oldest so he'll turn four in a week or two here and the kid is already riding a bicycle like crazy without training wheels, and I mean he is got a need for speed. I'm sure we've gonna we're probably gonna have to take out a little bit more insurance on some of these kids. They're little daredevils, but you know, it was fun. It was just good to get out and get some fresh air. It's amazing what fresh air and warm weather will do to uh, just your your complete mental state of mind. I mean it's uh, it's a great time. And finally the the family's feeling better. I feel like everybody has been sick. Everybody I know, interact with, sick, sick, sick. Just dealing with cruddy temperatures and weather and it's just not fun. But no, I think we're on the horizon of that. And uh, looking forward and looking ahead, uh, I'm dealing with a little bit of a a tough dilemma here. Uh, I'm battling this coming weekend of... Should I should I do something that um, I should do and and be a responsible adult, or should I go indulge and do something I want to do? And the reason I'm saying this is because my uh, my wife is going to be going and visiting some family and taking both the kids with for a three day weekend, and I'm thinking, okay, this gives me an opportunity to cross out XYZ house projects around the house without any interference in that time. But I can't lie, there's a part of me that says, ooh, what an opportunity to go scout up at camp, or what an opportunity to go check out some new locations in New Jersey, or <laughs> something like that. Uh, can't help but just cross my mind. So, Will I be a responsible adult and do things that grown-ups are supposed to do? Tune into the next episode and you might find out if I uh, if I even remember to bring it up. But yeah, that that's the the joys of school. Speaking of Jersey uh, bear hunting i'm looking forward to doing that trip again you know all things considered i hope nothing happens on the political end of things i know that's been a controversial hunt they brought that back they have a bear management plan in place and everybody you talk to from the um, rules and regulations government side of things say that you know that hunt is a go for five years within that management plan and i hope that's true But, uh, you know, there's always that little bit of doubt. You know, I got pulled away once before, and I know it was at the end of the bear management plan, and and there's stuff. I just, whenever you get into a government of such with a very, very left-wing anti-hunter in charge, it leaves you, (laughs) makes you ask some questions, right? So uh, I'm going to ride that out, and, you know, it, it's funny, like I was, I went through my bear kick and then I went back into my deer hunting mode last fall and kept thinking, you know, am I going to be thinking about bear hunting again this fall in that way? And right now I think the answer is yes, I had that much fun and I'm looking forward to doing it again and, and I'm thinking about doing it maybe with a different weapon and I'm looking forward to scouting and checking new areas out and it just got the fuel going and when I've said this before, too, when it comes to bear hunting episodes, it is hard to find people that have a lot of bear hunting experience and also are willing to share stories and experiences for a variety of reasons. And, you know, none of them are necessarily bad reasons, but it makes it tough for, you know, guys like you and me that are trying to learn more and just want to be, uh, entertained and apply some of their experiences to our own hunting. And this week, I, it took some wrangling. It took a, a little bit of persistence in my communication. But this week, our episode is with Ryan Hausman. Now, some of you probably don't even know who Ryan is. Um, so, to give you a brief introduction of Ryan, Ryan has been successful five years in a row in Pennsylvania's bear season the last 5 seasons he has filled a tag every year and he's done it with multiple weapons he's been part of other bear harvests with family and friends uh he's had a couple that got away he's got a rodeo of stories a bunch of experiences a bunch of experiences and it's it's just hard to fathom that level of success in Pennsylvania. He actually shared the, some of the statistics about Be- Pennsylvania bear hunters. You know, how many hunt, how many actually fill a tag, how many in their lifetime harvest more than, you know, like five bear and ten bear and things like that. It's very, very small. And that's, that's because, in my opinion, harvesting a Pennsylvania bear, it, it either requires a lot of luck or it requires a little bit of patience and persistence and some hard work. And, you know, I would have to say that for me, it's been nothing but luck, uh, right place, right time, a lucky situation for me. And uh, <clears throat> I, I don't know that I believe luck will always happen on that consistent of a basis when you talk about five years in a row so we're going to talk with ryan and i'm going to just be blunt here we kind of bounce all over the place within this episode but it all revolves around ryan starting out bear hunting not finding a lot of success we talk we, we talk stories you know we talk about the stories of some of these bear, I think we go through almost every bear and how it transpired and then kind of relate back what happened and, you know, the why behind it and what were the takeaways from that and what did you apply from that to the next one and how does that keep expanding upon what what makes you treat this situation the, uh, you know, any different from the next. It's a lot of that, so it's it's a bear hunting BS session. But, again, ton of experience from Ryan. Um, ton of entertaining experiences. Um, some of the stuff when he was telling it uh, just made me chuckle and scratch my head. And you'll find out why when you listen to it. So let's get to this episode with Ryan. I hope you enjoy it. Before we do, Radix hunting. Uh, so I, I was thinking about <clears throat> products on the marketplace. And, you know, there, there's... Uh, an array of different hunting companies hunting products this and that everybody wants your hard-earned dollar everybody wants your attention and a a lot of them are really good so what what differentiates one to the next and you know there's there's definitely a, a section there where you can interject some opinion and i'm interjecting mine here that radix has been one where I value how much time that they put into their products to make sure that when the final product comes to market, <clears throat> there's not problems, there's not flaws, there's quality behind it, it's it's applicable for the hunting, you know, there's not going to be something like excess noise or, you know, bad functionality of, of that's going to fail when you're using it for a hunting product. And... Just morals that I would like to lead within my life. They keep within their business stance, and they keep within um, the, the job they do. They do here. So those are all things that I value, and that's why I choose to work with them and like their products because they're they're applicable to anybody who can who can. Use trail cameras, ground blinds, hunting blinds, um, tree stands, stick and pick accessories, you know, the whole kit and caboodle. Check out Radix Hunting if if you want to find out more, radixhunting.com. And let's get to this episode with Ryan Hausman. Rolling on this week's episode, I've got Ryan Hausman. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for uh, for thank hopping you. on.
0: Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it.
1: Yeah, it was a little bit of uh, it was a little bit you know fun scheduling, like it always is. And I think you were a little bit skeptical for good reason. You've, you've had some success the past few years, and I want to talk about that a little bit. But um, you know, first and foremost, you know. Thank you for coming on, and please introduce yourself to people who are listening.
0: Yep, I'm. My name's Ryan Hausman. I'm from uh, Jim Thorpe, well, Jim Thorpe, up in Carbon County, and uh, got some bear hunting stories for you <laughs> I love it. I love it. So,
1: right off the bat, you said you've had some some pretty good success the past few years, and if I'm not mistaken, you've you've the last five years in a row, you have filled your Pennsylvania bear tag, correct? Yep, that's correct. So, first of all, that's a feat in and of itself, because I think about some of the folks that I've bear hunted with. Or, or i like, give you an example. My grandfather hunted bear for 45 years straight. He killed his first bear two minutes before I killed my first bear when I was 13 years old. And he literally, wow. in, in all that time of hunting... He had never seen a bear until I want to say it was within the fir- the last five years that of when he killed one. I, I feel like the year before he shot his first bear was when he he ended up killing. He seen, saw one the year before and killed one. So th- the fact that you were able to to kill five in a row was that, that's pretty impressive. So I'm kind of curious wh- how you feel after killing five bears? because that's impressive
0: uh pretty good i mean it's more like yeah you know, I, I still don't believe it but i never believed i would shoot one bear in pennsylvania let alone five you know what i mean mm-hmm. yeah and it's uh it's a
1: good accomplishment i guess it's a it's a heck of an accomplishment and i'm i'm anxious to talk more about it but one thing that i wanted to dive into first before we even uh get into the stories themselves is um you uh so, you know, somebody else was interested and, in, in I believe, wrote an article about your success, and you kind of had a little bit of a negative experience after that article came out, and I'm, I'm kind of curious if you wouldn't mind sharing what that was like.
0: Yeah, like, what, about the people uh, like surrounding my property, like, the first day of bear hunting?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, like, with the podcast and stuff, that I've had that happen, too. I, I, there's people I can think of that have zero interest in doing a podcast for that very reason they're concerned about you know giving information about where they hunt and pressure and hey hey i don't blame them i don't think there's anything wrong with that um and you know you were you were kind of skeptical because of the the added pressure people kind of taking information and and running with it and you know kind of taking advantage of just your successful story
0: yeah you know it's just Basically, you know, that I, I was skeptical of doing that article for that reason, just drawing too, drawing too much attention. And I did it. And basically it just drew too much attention to my area. And everyone, you know, assumed that I probably shot them by my house, which, you know what I mean? It didn't happen. But, uh, and like the first air rifle, like you never seen anybody down there. Like I didn't, you know what I mean? I just took my brother's kid out for the first air rifle. And there's like literally even my neighbor's said goes, dude, there's like people all over back in here. And they, ha- and they had to hike back in like a mile to get there to begin with. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's just, you know what I mean? It just brought a lot of attention to my area and it is what it is. I mean, it happens, but there's a lot, you know, there's a lot more that goes into it than just standing there, you know, waiting for a bear to walk by too.
1: Sure. Sure. So I'm kind of curious, it was five years ago, was that the first bear that you ever killed or had you killed some in the past and, or, or like, what did your yeah. bear hunting experience look like?
0: I've never, I've never seen a bear hunting before. One time in, up in uh, Pike County, I uh, had a bear, I seen a bear in the woods. And then, you know, uh, one time I had one crawl up the tree at me. But other than that, I'd never seen no bear, always went bear hunting. And I just never seen really bear in the woods. And then five years ago, the f- first bear that I shot, I was actually driving for my brother and uh, our buddy. And I was crawling, you know, crawling through... Lo- laurels and actually that same when i shot that bear five years ago we took seven bear off basically a mile stretch of a of the side of a mountain
1: wow that's absolutely incredible so but were you hunting bear most of your life and five years ago it just finally came together
0: yeah i mean i always went bear hunting, but five years it finally you know it finally just all came together really so was it it was it Uh,
1: a shift in area or was it just the, what was there things that changed in your mind that kind of led to finally seeing a little bit of success in your, in your bear hunting?
0: Well, I realized one that you got to be where the food's at Mm -hmm. because, and if they got food, they got food. They're not, they're not going far. Food and bedding, they're not going far at all. And I also found that basically they're in the thick stuff and the bear will let you walk right by them in the thick stuff. I mean, that first bear I shot, I shot that bear at like seven yards, all my hands and knees crawling, and I just happened to look over, and I and I seen a silhouette of, you know, it looked like a, just a, you know, I mean, because it, it's under laurels and pines, it was, you know, kind of, it's just like a dark setting almost, and uh, I basically shot that bear at eight yards, and that bear was going to let me walk right by it.
1: That's incredible. So... Um... Um, I, this is where I want your perspective now, because you've been, you know, having some success. You've been seeing some things that have worked, and the the one thing I think is hard with bear hunting for a lot of people to make decisions. You know, I th- I think about the process and how you learn stuff. You know, usually you you come up with a, a goal or an idea, and then you want to find a way to test it, and then after you test it, you you try to observe the results. And the problem with bear hunting is, is exactly what we were just talking about. You can go for years. And not even see a bear, not even know if what you're doing is the right way to do it. But once you finally get a little taste of success and you see some, see some things, it allows you to kind of formulate better decisions, I guess. But if you, you don't know what you don't know kind of deal. So, you know, I, I've been in some different camps for bear hunting and bear experiences and everybody has their own theory um i've been in in groups where the in their mind the proper way to to do a bear drive was a long drive and drivers had to yell not necessarily just to keep in line but had to yell and make a lot of noise because that was going to push bear way out ahead of you and i've also you know had other people share their experiences that, that, in their opinion, that's the wrong way to do it, that you're alerting bear that you're coming and they'll just do exactly what you experienced. They'll just let you go right by. And the better way to do it is play the win, hunt small groups, take your time, this and that. So I, I'm I'm giving all these examples to say, like, where have you kind of learned to or find your, uh, your happy medium there when it comes to the way you like to bear hunt?
0: I basically found that... I, I, I personally think every bear is different, like, on how they're going to react when when basically, you know, when you're driving, like, you know, every bear, I think, is personally different, like, some react different than others, like, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I went through thick stuff already, you know, doing a drive, I'm, for instance, like, two years ago, I, you know, we were bear hunting, I already got my bear, and I said, hey, I said, let's go down to this spot I know, you know, public land, I said, I bet there's got to be a bear in there, well, we went down there, not even there 10 minutes, I start, I, I crawled through the thick stuff and that bear was already ahead of me before, as soon as I touched that thick stuff, that bear was out of there. Mm-hmm. And of course, my brother shot, missed. And, uh, then there's other times where I went crawling through thick stuff and the, the bear, they don't move. They just, they, they they're going to try to let you go right by them. You know what I mean? So I think it all depends on the bear, but I, I just, I don't know. I mixed up different things doing, you know, driving like that and just what about every, each way different way possible you
1: know yeah i I don't think there's just one way to skin the cat for sure now one thing i've tried to do so like when i go to to rifle bear camp um 99 times out of 100 i'm going to be a driver i've been fortunate i killed some bear and there's some other people i'd like to see kill a bear and generally when we hunt most of the the bear that are killed are the state or bystanders so um you know, when I'm a driver, though, I've heard, you know, I heard you just talk, mention it. I've heard other people say about, you know, keep your eyes peeled. Keep uh, you know keep things like that because you, you very well could walk up on one that wants to let you go by. And we've had a few experiences, but it's not that common. And I'm not 100% sure why that is for us. And I'm not sure if it's because we're, we're, we're too spread apart. I'm not sure if it's because maybe the, the concentration of bear. Maybe we're just not that observant. So when you're on a drive, um, have you just really made it a point that instead of, you know, being in a rush to get through the drive and push through that, that brush and make noise and stuff, um, have you kind of taken the approach to just hunt your way through that? Or, or walk me through what it's like in your mind as a driver with no, the knowledge you've had and the experience you've had of walking up on a bear at seven yards.
0: I Let's just put it this way. They always complain to me that it takes me forever to do a drive because I take my time. I, I mean, I, I make noise, but I also – I'll go so far and I'll stop and I'll sit there and I'll just observe for five minutes. Just, and I'll just, you know, look around, and, you know, most of the time I'm crawling through laurels, you know, it's your you know, canopy basically above you. Mm-hmm. I'm basically looking down underneath that canopy like, you know, I sit there for five or ten minutes and just see if I see anything moving at all. Okay,
1: that makes a lot of sense. So, um... You know, I know you heard you talk about driving. Do you commonly hunt with the group throughout? You know the the, the
0: bear hunting season. No, not not really. I mean, i I always try to see, I always try to take other people bear hunting. You know what I mean? Like I always try to get a group of guys together. You know, people who didn't shoot a bear to go. Most of the time, it's just my brother. You know, a couple of our buddies, and you know, usually it's only on a Saturday. Mm-hmm. You know that we get a group together and we go drive some spots that I know and
1: so you're you know, commonly you're commonly looking at smaller groups is what is what you're saying
0: yeah most of the time it's only about 6 of us wow okay. max max 6 of us i'd say
1: yeah and i think one thing i've i've realized talking a lot of people have the mindset that you have to have a big group of guys in order to be successful killing bear um, you know, you think about places throughout Pennsylvania that you bear hunt. There's some big, expansive woods. There's some big um, mountain ranges, huge, thick laurel patches and swamps and rhododendron and everything else, and it can be intimidating. You think you got to have 20-plus guys to cover a side hill and be arm-in-arm, arm. but, um, I mean, obviously you've been able to have some success with less than that. So when you look at a piece of ground that you want to do a drive in um, – you don't have to be specific. I'm just kind of curious what your thought process is when you're approaching a piece with a small group. How how do you view most drives to be the most successful they possibly can be?
0: I've been, when, I, when I when I look at an area to like drive, like for instance, I uh, the main thing I look for is basically food. If, if you know, I mean, I always look for standing corn, and you know, always you always try to be, you know downwind of, you know, try to, you know, get the wind right for it. But most of the time, you know what I mean? It's just, I get right by the food and they just, that that's where they're going to be yeah that's
1: for sure. I mean i I, I talked about it on uh, on my show you know a couple times this year with the the New Jersey hunt that I did where I killed a bear. and I was amazed at the concentration you found once you found where the most food was. when you found where the most food was, I had seen concentrated bear sign like never before. And I've heard of people talking about that. I just that was one of my first experiences at that level. And I know you can find it in different places. I think it just involves a lot of uh a lot of pregame and, and boot leather before the season even happens.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely.
1: So walk me through. You kill your first bear five years ago, and I'm sure you were absolutely elated. I mean I mean, again, you said you walked up on it seven yards. I mean, tell me a little bit about that drive and what your emotions were like when that finally
0: happened. Well, I was uh I basically, I mean, at the side of a mountain, a steep mountain, I'm basically crawling up a runway, you know, I didn't even want to go that afternoon, and I was like, alright, I was like, the only way I'm going is I'm going and driving, so, they, the two, my brother and his buddy, they went up above me or whatever, out, out, you know, out the side of the mountain, the ridge, you know, thinking they're going to go that way, if there is anything, and, uh, I got dropped off down the road, and I, you know, I was crawling on my hands and knees up this whole mountain, and I stopped to take a break. And I just stopped to take a break, and I looked over, and I'm like, and I seen like, you know, it just looked like a black silhouette there, and I'm like, is that a bear? And I looked through the rifle scope, and I'm, I, I mean, it's so thick I can barely see, but all I seen was the brown of its lips move. That's the only spot I seen. Well, I basically put it right below it in its jugular, and I, I shot, shot it, and. I mean, I ran down the mountain, died at the bottom of the mountain.
1: <laughs> and that was all at seven yards. It let you get that close and stop.
0: And it was, yeah. And Basically, I, the whole drive took about less than five minutes. Wow. Okay, so you had just started the drive, or? I, 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 I was basically five minutes into the drive. I was, yeah, basically five minutes into the drive because, you know, they heard the shot go off, and my brother thought, there's no way that he just shot. There's no way. Like, he just started. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it was laying, you know, laying down the laurels, and obviously, you know, you could see the bed there, and that was its, you know, it's where it was bedding because up on top of the mountain there was nothing but corn. And that year, another thing is that that year we had a bad acorn crop. Mm. A lot of the acorns were rotted from the being so much rain. Okay. And if if that's you know when, when that happens, then then you really find standing corn or the food, and that that's where they're going to be. That's why we shot seven bear off one side of the mountain and between, you know, a bunch of people in a matter of, you know what I mean, a, not even a mile long, not, not, not even a mile stretch, 7 barrels off one side of the hill.
1: Yeah, it's amazing. Again, I've uh, you're talking about food and where the concentrated food is. I, I've had that exact same experience. You do one drive – and i remember one drive we did seven bear came out and it was just the year the food everything was just right for there to be an ample amount of of bear there and then you know there's other years where if you keep hunting that same mountain range you know a lot of guys go to go to camp and they'll hunt the same general areas cuz there's nostalgia there's history there's all kinds of stuff but if the food's not there i mean your your chances of you know seeing a bear might be reduced right and uh you know, eventually maybe you get a good food crop and then those those areas are good for one year. But I, I, we had the bear biologist on our show once and, uh, you know, getting an idea from her what a bear's home range is like. You know, he's, they're talking like an average of 22 square miles for a male can move within that home range. So you think about 22 square miles. I mean, that's a good chunk of a county. And if they're going to go to where the food is, I mean, you might not even be in the ballpark depending
0: on where you're at. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I said, and like, like, uh, well, this year we had a lot of acorns. Like, I honestly didn't think I was even going to shoot a bear this year because of having such a good acorn crop this year that they, they don't got to move. you know, they find, you know, a good crop of acorns somewhere. They're not, they're not going to go anywhere. They're just going to lay around and eat, get, you know, bulk up.
1: So would you, when it comes to mass crops, you know, I've heard a couple of different theories. I've heard some people say the more the better. That way you've just got an ample, saturated source of game to hunt. And I've heard other people say that they they prefer it to be um, patchy or something like that, where you can find a pocket or something. So, I mean, where do you find that when it comes to food? Is Is more better? Is that not always the case?
0: No, I always find that like a pocket like that. Like, I, I mean, I already found where, you know, there's large fields of corn and it's not touched, but you go a half mile down the road, there's a small patch of corn that's, you know, all flattened out and there's a bear sign there.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You
0: know, that I have noticed and, you know, I talk to other, you know, I talk to other people, you know, other buddies of mine, you know, where they go hunting out and, you know, bear, bear wasn't in season, but for instance, same thing small patches than they had, you know, seen bear during, you know, during your archery season. Like that. Yeah,
1: good piece of information to keep in mind when it gets to bear season. Yep.
0: But so, I I never really see good luck good uh, activity in like large large cornfields. Hmm. I don't know why, but I just never
1: That's interesting. So large cornfields you think in like maybe like maybe greater than ten acres or so Usually small corner patches where they might feel a little bit more secure to, to go to?
0: Yeah, I also looked at towards, like, what kind of bedding's nearby. Mm. Like, what kind of, you know, if there ain't really good bedding nearby, I I don't think you're really going to see much bear, because they need the, they want the, the you know, the security. Yeah. So, and, and
1: this is a little bit of a tough question, because I, I don't want to incriminate you with the area you hunt, but I'm just trying to think on a broad scale. So, if you've got an area that has a lot of corn, but maybe it's a lot of private that you don't have access to, does that deter you if the the public land is maybe as much as a mile away from that food source for bear hunting?
0: Yeah, it, it does because I like I said a bear's going to they just want to bulk up and they they don't want to they don't want they don't want to have to travel that far. They want to be close to the food as possible. I mean I never really ran into that where I haven't had like, you know, food on a mile like a distance like that, but
1: If you're looking to simplify your food plot system while enhancing the quality of your soil, you need to check out Vitalize Seed Company. Vitalize provides top quality seed blends designed to fit into their one-two planting system. This system has been designed to allow highly diverse plant species to grow synergistically, optimizing nutrient uptake and cycling the way God intended. Reduce your inputs, build your soil, and maximize the quality tonnage for the wildlife in your area find out more about this system and get your seed at vitalizedseed.com and be sure to check them out on instagram and facebook radix hunting was founded on premium grade trail cameras and continues striving to produce the best cellular and conventional trail cameras on the market today the gen 600 is a second generation camera from the gen series line With premium video and audio recording capabilities, this product has become well-respected as the HD video trail camera. In addition to the Gen Series cameras, their M-Core cellular camera has all the features of a quality cell camera at an affordable price. Along with their cameras, they offer stick-and-pick trail camera accessories to allow you to set your cameras just right. You can find it all at RadixHunting.com and be sure to follow Radix Hunting on Instagram and Facebook. Want to check out Radix cameras in person? Stop in at Little Mountain Outfitters in Richland, Pennsylvania, and have a peek. Now, back to the ship. Okay. Yeah, I was curious. So, um, yeah, there's definitely pockets throughout the state, right, that have uh, food sources that are right up against public land. There's there's places with public land that I can think of right now that uh, it's leased land to farmers who plant corn and soybeans. And sometimes you get lucky and, you know, you got the perfect storm of bear using that cornfield. And the one thing I will tell you from my position is when you find those situations, act on them quickly. Because when the bear damage increases, there's a better chance you won't see corn in that field for a long time if the damage is bad. So act fast.
0: Yep, exactly. Exactly.
1: So, um, your first one you killed with the rifle. Now we're we're pretty blessed that we've got a lot of opportunity in Pennsylvania for bear hunting with the early seasons and muzzle loader and archery and stuff. Do you participate in every bear opportunity bear hunting opportunity we have? Do you gravitate more towards rifle season and extended? What does that usually look like for you?
0: I usually with uh well Last like last year, it was more. I was more gravitating towards dark season because I never shot one with the bow yet. Mm. So, but other than that, I mean, I hunt every season until I get usually, you know, until I got my bear. I, I you know, that or, that early muzzleloader season. I, you know, what I mean, I hunt them all. I actually, I shot one with the, I shot them with the rifle. I shot them with the muzzleloader, and I shot them with the bow. So, I mean, I basically every season so far. I You know, shot them with every you know, every season. I basically you know got that taken care of. That's pretty
1: cool. Yeah, I've wanted to kill a bear with my bow for a while. I was able to do it in New Jersey last year. I really want to do it in Pennsylvania. So you know, that's a that's in my opinion, that's probably one of the coolest accomplishments that you can do in Pennsylvania. So. We, went, we, we talked about bear one, and that was a, a crazy experience where you're doing a drive, you didn't even want to go hunting. Walk me through the next few years and some of the experiences you had over time, because I know one of them, at some point, you killed a uh, an impressively large bear, too, in, in one of those years, right? Yep, correct. It was uh,
0: 615 pounds. Wow. Was and, that field
1: uh, dressed, or was that estimated live
0: weight? That was field dressed. That's impressive oh yeah that was a, that took us ten hours to get that one out, but you know, but I'm going to start with number two bear number two bear I actually shot this one I shot actually by my house, and that bear ended up being seventeen and, and seven over seventeen years old. they estimated that bear at wow and uh but that that bear I shot basically I called my brother up that that, that afternoon and I said to him, I said, why don't you up and sit in my stand?" I said, you know just and I didn't even know there was I didn't even have cameras out or anything. I just went on you know. I told him to come up there, it's a good spot, you know, they're probably coming out of that big hollow or whatever, and he's like, ah, oh, no, I'm going on my own spot, so I went, sat in the tree stand, I was in that tree stand a whole 45 minutes to an hour, and I had five bear underneath me.
1: Wow. Now, is this in the rifle season, or was this in, in that, the, the earlier season?
0: That was in the inline season, that was the, I think, the first year for that inline season.
1: Okay. And I uh,
0: basically, Yeah got it like that that was you know basically i was right behind my house
1: and there was i'm assuming one thing that had to help you was was there an ample amount of food or a pocket of food in that area that really well, helped you
0: well you no, know what you know what there was that was for instance where there was corn but it was it was probably almost three quarters of a mile away okay and that's where i'd say they were heading they were heading that direction basically we put it that way
1: okay so, you know, when you look back on it, it's hard to say now, but is there a chance that, you know, that was the food source, but there was better cover closer to where you were? Or maybe there was hunting pressure or something that put them in an, in a pocket like that? I mean, let's face it, too. Another thing that happens is, I don't care what anybody says, I do think there's a little bit of luck associated when it comes to bear hunting, but you got to be in the right place at
0: the right time, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, I yeah, I don't, I don't know if they were actually used. I don't know exactly which food source they were using, if they got chased into where they were. Because the thing is, I never seen I never seen those five bear together before ever. Yeah, and you know, yeah. for them to just be there, and then it turned out that the four, you know, I shot one of them, and then the four that were together, they were seen almost a mile and a half away, you know, a couple of days later, and I know a guy who shot one another one out of that group.
1: Hmm. So I know a lot of people that they kill a bear and they think, okay, I got my bear, I'm happy. Now I know you, you live in bear country and I know you're pretty excited So, like, walk me through now. You you get the taste for, for harvesting some bear. Is it, is it like a a desire? Like, do you look at bear hunting as the, the, the thing you enjoy most when it comes to all deer hunting? Like what, where, where does that fall in your mind? Because it sounds like to me, the more you do it, the hungrier you are
0: to do it. Yeah. I would say that I'm a very, I will go to, I will. I will put my time in bear hunting every year now just to try to keep that role going because it's just, you know, you get hungry for more of it. You just, you know, you want to keep the role going. You want to just accomplish more of it. You know what I mean? Like, I know a guy who shot 18 bears in his lifetime already. Wow. That's, I mean, I thought that was incredible.
1: That is incredible. And you're talking 18 bears and you're talking Pennsylvania bears?
0: 18 Pennsylvania bears. I actually believe that number might be 19 now. Wow.
1: Yeah, that's pretty incredible and I think there's that's something to be said when you're you're able to connect on on that that type of. Life. So, you know, two in a row, one with the rifle, one with the inline. Um, tell me a little bit about what you're doing now when you harvest uh, five bear because I know taxidermy and tanning isn't cheap. And uh, you know, that's I'm not sure how much uh, wild game your family consumes in a year, but you know, you can you can feed you know pretty much uh from from one bear so year to year it almost sounds like that's uh that's a continual food source so where does that where does uh, where do you land there with those two things
0: i i basically i got i got my first bear mounted and i got my third the 600 and some pound bear mounted and i basically said i'm i'm done i'm not getting any more mounted and basically the rest i just got the you know it, then tanned and you know Eventually, I like to make like a jacket out of one, you know, get the jacket made or a blanket made out of them. But that's basically where I am and with that. You know, I got two mounted now and I don't really got much room for it. And the next, I do want to get one more mounted, but I want like a shoulder mount, like one, like, uh, you know, just like on the wall like that. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? With Just a shoulder forward, like called a shoulder mount. Yeah. And a lot, a lot of the meat I actually donated. Okay. Just because it's so much meat, like one of my, you know what I mean? It's just, that's a lot for,
1: yeah, you know, that's a lot yeah. for someone to consume. Typically a 600 pound bear, like the one, the experiences I've had when you've got larger bear, we've, you know, end up having like a, like a game dinner sense, or you donate it to a church for a game dinner. You have a, a bear roast with a bunch of hunting buddies and stuff. And that's always a fun, it's another opportunity when you're, when you're talking about bear hunting and hunting with a group, it's another opportunity in the off season, an excuse to get together and, you know, have camaraderie over the hunt. Yep. So walk me through a little bit. You got two under your belt and now you're starting to see a little bit of success. Do you see did do you feel like there was things aligning for you that just it, all the stars started to align that success started to happen leading up to that point like when you look back over that course of time did did, did was there anything that stands out that made you feel like this is why this is happening compared to having Unsuccessful years, years before.
0: I would say that I basically realized that the habitat. You know, the bear, the bear got to be the, the bear got to be there, or you're not going to see them. You know what I mean? You need to you find the food and find the cover, and you'll find the bear.
1: Gotcha. So before was it um, just a, a lack of focus in the areas that you were hunting? Was it more of you were approaching the woods, but you weren't honing in on certain aspects that make bear hunting more successful?
0: Yeah, I would say that I was overlooking it. I wasn't looking into, I wasn't basically looking in. you know, I, w- I wasn't really going into thick stuff back then. Gotcha. I basically went out, sat in the woods and thought a bear was going to come to me when I realized I got to go to the bear okay
1: and that's unique because a lot of people think that the way that you're killing him is is not going to happen there's a lot of people that talk about going through thick stuff nasty stuff you're never going to be able to go in and just shoot one like that um that's happened more than once to, to you though
0: hasn't it yeah yeah i mean i three times I, sh- I shot a bear basically actually i can say i shot a bear four times crawling on my hands and knees but the one bear i did not get i actually shot that bear we went You know, it was a couple of us, like five of us went out that day. And my brother's like, my brother, you know, he said, why don't you take the footlock, make it, you know, make it harder on yourself since you shot so many bear already. And I was Mm. like, all right, I'll take the footlock. So I took the footlock, you know, to go drive for them. And once again, I I stopped and I, you know, was underneath basically laurels, you know, the canopy above me and I'm looking and I had a bear walk up 10 yards behind me. And I actually, I went to go shoot it with the footlock and I couldn't get the footlock to light.
1: Mm.
0: I ended up, I took my lighter out my pocket. Got the footlock to go off that way, and I ended up a low shoulder hit, and we never found it. We tracked it for two miles, and then we actually shot that bear that next, the next. I think it was like two weeks later or three weeks later in the bear rifle season. The same bear, same bear. It had the same same side injury on that leg. Same. It's basically twenty yards from where I shot it the first time.
1: (laughs) That's incredible. So you're so make sure I follow you. So you did a drive with the flintlock and made it happen. It didn't happen, but two weeks later in the same area, you found that bear back there and then were able to, to reconnect it.
0: Yep. I bought, we brought my, I invited my old boss up to come hunting and uh, basically I, we put him down there and I went the same way driving again. And uh, it came out right in front of him and he, he harvested, you know, he shot that bear and it was the same baby that had the same injury it was the same same side and everything. It was the same size bear.
1: Yeah, flintlocks get tricky, so it's funny you mention that because um, one of the goals. So I kind of go through my phone and I, I try to keep you know th- thoughts that I have pop into my head about things I'd like to accomplish hunting wise. I have this little like notepad, and one of the things that I put on my on my notepad is I would like to kill a bear with my flintlock. I would like to um and really that's not necessarily i, I i'm trying to cross a, a weapon off the bucket listening like it's really an excuse for me to want to get better with my flintlock i've harvested a number of deer with a flintlock and i feel fairly confident under the right circumstances but really as i look at that weapon i i want to I want to use that weapon and be as proficient as I possibly can. So I'm thinking about practicing with it more, you know, manipulating loads. How can I, you know, ensure that, you know, cases like what you experienced where the gun didn't go off, how how can I minimize that? How can I be the best with that weapon? And then, you know, just hunting with it with a bear, that's kind of a unique thing. So, um Th- that is really interesting, and I- I'm hoping to to follow up with it. So, do you think that that's something that you might continue to pursue, or was that a negative experience that kind of put a bad taste in your mouth?
0: Oh no, it it, it makes me want to do, uh, you know, make it makes me want to really shoot one with the flintlock now. Like, that's like my I like to take one with a ha- a handgun and a, basically the flintlock, and I know like this coming season, my you know I'm going to be trying to harvest one with the flintlock now.
1: Gotcha, gotcha.
0: Just cause I I love shooting flintlock. I mean, I just I, I enjoy it. I I you know I I think it's really fun shooting a flintlock like that. And like I use round balls. I don't use the Sabbaths or nothing.
1: Right. What was uh? What do you think was the reason for having that failure of the gun going off in that situation? Was a was it wet in that laurel rhododendron and damp for
0: the gun? It was. It was damp. It was damp that morning, and I should believe it. I think it rained the night before and you know I mean I'm crawling through thick stuff breaking branches and you know I mean it's almost impossible to keep the gun dry unless you got something over it and you know I, another thing I want to say is like I, I when I go in the woods I anticipate I don't, I'm not shooting nothing like, so I'll like that's like my mindset like I'm not shooting nothing anyway so I'm not even taking a knife with me or something like I, I think that's like that's like one of my like like uh, my things I do now anymore like I always tell my brother I'm like leave your freaking life at home and all that shit I was like You take that stuff. If you prepare it, you're not going to shoot nothing. (laughs) You sound like me. I've I've done that. I mean, like that. That's like my mindset. Like I I don't even take a pen in the woods. I don't even take nothing to even do it because I'm like, if I take that stuff, I'm not going to shoot nothing.
1: (laughs) I've had that superstition as well. There's cases where it uh, it feels like it comes true every now and then, but that's that's really funny. So, um, most of the bear that you've harvested have been you just pounding the ground and going in after him am I following you right there
0: exactly right yep
1: so um, couple with the rifle couple with the the muzzle loader and you, you killed one with the bow this year right yep yep so um, I'm kind of curious bow hunting so you go through rifle bear hunting um, a lot of time you're doing it driving or you know you're you're still hunting on the ground with that weapon there's a little bit of an equalizer when you got a a high power weapon even a muzzle loader when you think about the uh, accuracy and capabilities of modern inlines you know you got quite an advantage there when you talk about it compared to a bow so now you say i'm gonna i want to take a bow and i want to kill a bear now walk me through your mindset going into this season when it came to approaching it how are you going to approach killing one with the bow
0: well i mean how am michael go- uh i don't know that's I, I don't know that's a hard one i mean it all be with the bow or the, the the footlock you mean
1: no i was kind of curious so like you you killed your bow bear this this past season 2023 with the bow right Yep. So yep, I, I'm assuming you had it in your mind going into the year, like, you know, hey, I killed him with the muzzle loader. I killed him with the inline I'm talking, I've killed him with the rifle. Now I want to kill one with the bow. So how did you approach this season with the bow? Did you go with the same logic of I gotta go in after him and I'm just gonna to have to figure out a way to make it work with a bow? Or did you uh did you use more stand hunting, or how did you approach this season with I, a bow and I, arrow? I used
0: I used more stand hunting, I say this year. And actually, I didn't really do much thick because you know how you can't really go through thick stuff with the bow and like expect to shoot. Like, there's just too much stuff in the way. Exactly. And I actually, I would say this. I would say I got one this year with the bow by dumb luck. Really? Because, I, I absolutely it was dumb luck. I was out of the house for a whole 15 minutes. That was it. Uh, I basically, a buddy of mine shot a buck that morning and he needed a hand, you know, load, getting it, loaded it up. So I went up to help him load it and you know i went to go start my side by side and it wouldn't start battery was dead so i mean it took like you know until i got a jump started it was an extra 20 minutes or so so i ran up there and helped him load it and then i was like i'm gonna go park here you know where, where we parked at i'm gonna go walk up to the field because the night before i thought i left my binoculars there so i parked there i started walking out to the field i got halfway out to the field you know probably like two three hundred yards and i uh I seen a bear and I'm like, I, I didn't even think it was bear season yet. I had to look on my phone to see if it was bear season. And that bear basically took off running and it went down into, uh, down by a riverbed and basically in the laurels. And, uh, I said to myself, I'm like, that bear is going to go down that riverbed and it's going to cross. It's going to cross the one, you know, timber road there and it's going to go down in that big hollow. So I basically backtracked, you know, basically ran down over that way. And I got set up, and I waited like a half, you know, a half an hour or so, and that bearer came walking right down that runway, right down to go down in that hollow, and I shot it at like 20 yards then. And it went a whole 20 yards and laid up underneath laurels, and that's where it expired. That's, that's, <laughs> talk that, about that a plan coming I mean, together. That, that, that was, that was dumb luck, but, you know, I mean, it, you know, it still took some, I didn't think it was going to come down that way, like I was waiting and waiting, waiting and waiting and, you know, I, and I actually called my brother and was like, you know, I got a bear that's in these, these laurels over here. It's a really small patch. I'm like, why don't you just come up and we see if we can drive it out? And he, you know, he said no. And so I just waited there and then ended up walking right down the runway. So I, th-
1: I think with the experiences you've had leading up to killing one with the bow, I would have to believe that you've seen enough bear to respond From driving, from hunting them in areas, you know, you know, maybe even deer hunting, and just seeing them the way they maneuver, that you probably had to have. uh, There was experience behind your decision to say, "This is where I think that bear is going to go." Um, I mean, can you? Is there anything you can elaborate on that a little bit more? Because I think it's hard to visualize if you don't have a lot of experience how you see a bear using an area and using terrain. And you're somebody now that has experience with that. Like, when you look at the landscape and know the woods and stuff, like, was it all based on topography and thick and terrain and and vegetation that made you say, "This is where I suspect this is going to happen"?
0: I uh, see. I uh... I would say, like, you know, what more? It was more terrain, and it was also. I I I talk. You know, I ask people like. For instance, the person who lives down by that, like where that bear was going, it was going to have to cross the timber road. It was going to have to go down and basically go down by a couple houses. Mm-hmm. So I actually asked the, the people who live in those houses a couple, a week prior, and I know the dude, I said, Have you been seeing any bear at all? And he said, Yeah. He said, They, I, if they come down along, you know, by his house and they go down to this big hollow and they lay on the hillside down there. And base, that's that's why I ha, that's how I kind of knew that one was probably heading that direction. But also because I figured it's going to come down that river bend and it's going to go lay on the sun in that in that side of the hill.
1: So that's a good point too. So uh, I've hunted with some groups and some some different folks that always say, uh, if you want to kill bear, you got to hunt the shaded side of the hill. That <laughs> that's the best. The north facing slopes. And the uh, eastern-facing slopes in morning and stuff like that, like, those are the, the – the, or I'm sorry, the western-facing slopes, I guess it would be, in, uh, in the morning. Um, so, like, does that make sense to you or is that not something that you've experienced when you think about ter- – you know, of course you think cover, you think food, but is there anything else that comes to my mind, maybe from a thermoregulating sense, that, com- that says this makes sense for bear?
0: Uh, well, see, i seen bear lay on no, the north-facing slopes, and, I mean, for instance, the year, the, uh, that seven bear were taken off that one small section of mountain there, that was basically a south-facing slope. That, no, that was a north-facing slope. Yeah, that was a north-facing slope. So the sun wouldn't hit it. And then i seen bear lay on south-facing slopes. I think it, I think it all depends, like, that, that, and that big bear I shot, that bear was laying next to a freaking spring that, you know, it was basically a spring comes out the ground. That bear was laying next to a spring when I shot it that—that like was its bedding area next to a big spring. Mm. I mean, and it's—it's it's a spring that basically it's, it's a lot of malt water's moving there. Like I just, you no, know, I just think it all depends really.
1: So, walk me through your experience that day killing a six hundred fifteen pound bear and <laughs> what that was like from beginning to end, because I'm sure your emotions had to be skyrocketed at something like
0: that. Oh yeah, I mean I let's just. I, I knew there was a big bear around that that year, but I didn't exactly know. I, I can say that I wasn't, I didn't have everything, like all the things in order, yet knowing about bear more like I do now. So that day, it, we had like an inch of snow on the ground, and I've seen fresh tracks. So it was it was during the week, you know, everyone's working, but I was off because self-employed. And uh, two of my buddies, I said, I called them up. I said, why don't you guys come down? I said, let's go, you know. I'll go follow these tracks. They go down the thick stuff and I'll put you at either end. And you know, you guys never shot a bear. Maybe one of you can get a whack at a bear. So that was the plan. So I, I follow these tracks down the laurels. I mean, I'm down a small, a, a path they had in the laurels and I'm following going down and you know, on my hands and knees, of course. And I, uh, I look down and I see that like, you know, I it looked like a black blob and I, I, like black, and I thought it was actually the water running. But I looked through the scope, and I was like, oh, my God, that's that bear. And the bear was sleeping. So I actually shot that bear, and it got, it, you know, it yelped, and it got up and took off running. And actually, going down through that thick stuff, I lost the magazine to my gun.
1: Oh, my goodness. How does that happen?
0: I have no idea, but it ha- <laughs> So basically, I go to reload. I'm like, I don't have no magazine. I got, I got... I'm reloading, you know, one by one basically in the chamber. So I call my two buddies up and, you know, told them that there's a bear, you know, they took off running. Now it's, it's so thick. I'm trying to get down across the creek to where it went. They're already over there and they see blood. So I cross the creek. I go over there. Here that bear ran across the creek, ran up the creek about 20 yards and ran back in the thick stuff right where I was at. And I just didn't know because it, it was so thick. Mm. And that one thing about a bear is they are so they are so quiet. They have such big animals. They can they can crawl through thick stuff and you don't even hear them half the time. So I never even heard it come back up at me. So then I go and uh, we start following it and I you know, six hundred that's a big bear. And uh, it took like ten shots to get that, you know, till it expired.
1: Holy cow.
0: I, I basically grabbed my buddy's gun. His 308, and I went back in there because obviously he had a, you know, he was able to hold more rounds. And I just, I, I was basically running on, I was like running under all my hands and knees after this bear because the snow was already melted already. And I was like, if, you know, I don't keep after it, it's gonna, I'm never gonna get it. Like, I just kept, you know, had to keep on pushing it to, you know, make it bleed out. And, uh, I ended up shooting, I think, 10 shots into that bear before it finally expired. And it expired basically on, a side of the mountain on, on rocks that it took a to get it out. We had to cross three crits, Put it that way. It took us ten hours to get it out.
1: How did you get that bear out? For the most part, mostly guys just carrying it.
0: Well, we uh, we basically it was only three of us, and I was like, I don't even know what we're going to be able to do because we need more help, and no one, you know, everyone usually don't get off work till four or five o'clock. So we basically, we went through two tanks of gas and a chainsaw to basically make a path to it. Wow. So we made a path to it and we, you know, basically rolled it down the hill and we got through the creek and we winched it up out the creek. We ended up snapping a winch cable on the four wheeler. I mean, you could, you couldn't get nothing to it because it's like, you know, like picture like, like Boulder Field up there and like Hickory Run or whatever it's at. Mm-hmm. Like it's just, there's so many rocks like that in there that you can't get no machine back there. You can't. You can't really get nothing back there. And we got it. I mean, we weren't making like we weren't making no way at all. Like it was four hours. And I think we moved it like 75 yards, three of us. Oh, my goodness. my, My neighbor, he's a little crazy sometimes, but he took his side by side back in there, destroyed his side by side. I mean, he ripped the doors off of it. He just he didn't care. You know, that's just how he is. And actually, nine of us went down in there. And we used the block and tackle, and we uh, sorry about that noise, but there's no, I'm no problem. But uh, we basically, you know, used the block and tackle, and we, you know, lifted it up in the air, and we uh, set it in the back to side by side, and strapped it down, and that's how we got it out of there then.
1: <laughs> so I, I haven't had any bear uh, bear carryouts that were bigger than about 200 pounds. Most of the ones I've been a part of have been 200 or less. And a lot of time we're able to maybe go back to camp. We've got an actually an old army stretcher and, you know, tie them up on that and you can get four to six guys to carry a bear out that way and it works really, really well. Um, I've done some dragon, you know, a lot of the smaller ones that, you know, those 80 to 150 pound bear, you know, you tie them up on a pole, and throw them up over your shoulder with two guys, and that works real well. Just make sure you, you you cinch them down real tight so they're not swaying. There's been a couple different ways I've I've done that, but they always tell a story of the cabin that I bear hunt, uh, that one year they killed one that was 490 pounds field dressed, and the way they got that out, I think they had uh, a, a pole in the middle and four cross pieces so they could get 10 guys on to carry it, and... The I I forget the distance. I mean, I can I I can picture where they they talk about bringing up, but they had to bring it up a hollow to the top and out a bench, maybe three quarters of a mile, and I, I think it took them. Um all day and then some to get this bear out carrying it out with a group of guys and you know, they had people with a block and tackle, you know running a block and tackle and people using handsaws to, to cut a trail so that you actually had a, a way, you know moving sticks out of the way and rocks out of the way because you know it is a chore when you talk about that so I, I feel I, I can't imagine what it would be like for people who bear hunt alone and kill something like that.
0: Oh I don't think you can you, 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 well, you know you, you, you need friends at that time. That's where you
1: find out who your friends really are, right?
0: Oh my god, yeah. And I can tell you by the end of that day, uh my two buddies, we were we were at each other's throats. (laughs) I basically told my one buddy I was like, dude, I was like just I was like just go home. I was like, I don't want to just go home. (laughs) Like we were we I mean it was we were working the long, you know, all day we didn't get nowhere.
1: Yeah, that's absolutely, absolutely mind boggling. Another thing you, you brought up I wanted to touch on, so I've seen that bear, you, know, you, you said you took it took 10 shots to kill that big one. And I have seen like one extreme to the next as far as how well recoveries go. A um, couple of the ones that I've been a part of that were bow kills, I mean, the one I killed this year, uh, family members killed stuff. I mean, some of them died extremely easy like to the point where i'm like these things aren't even as tough as a deer i mean they, they died quick and easy but then you always get some situations where you make a semi-marginal shot or maybe you've got an above average bear and then it is tough it they just it's like they just there's there's somewhere where there's a balance where they just have a will to live that matches or exceeds a deer but it's never consistent in my experiences what's it been like for you
0: well, I would say that, well, that, well, that, let's just look at 615 pounder that had nine inches of fat on its back. Mm. Like, you know what I mean? That's just a lot. And then, like, I talked to taxidermists already where they tell me that they, they pull out nine millimeters out of the, you know, out of the, basically right behind the skin and buckshot that like somebody shot him with buckshot. And it's just, uh, they're just tough animals. I mean, it all, it all depends on where you hit them at, for instance, that the bear I shot this previous year. I shot that with nine ninety nine nine dollars and ninety nine cent broadheads for Walmart, and I shot it basically. I took a shot that I didn't like, but I took it. I felt comfortable the distance on it or not, and I actually shot it right in the front, and it went twenty yards, and it was expired. Yeah, you know, so what I think. It's like you know, it's like that sweet spot. Like, you know, it's depends where you hit them at.
1: Yeah, good. A good shot goes a long way, right?
0: Yeah. Yep. A good <laughs> shot that does go a long way. Like that one I shot with the inline, the well the second one I shot with the inline muzzle loader. That one I had I actually called a tracking dog in to come find that because I just wasn't finding the blood and actually turned out that I thought that bear was basically broadsided and it ended up being it ended up being facing away from me. I just I you know, it's a black blob but you just it's hard it was hard to see.
1: Mm. Yeah, tell me a little bit about you were telling me before we uh, before we got started here, you were telling me that you had a unique experience with that one. So was that one you were just kind of, were you pounding ground, still hunting too thick stuff and, you know, shot one with an
0: inline? Or what did, what did that one look like? That one I was actually walking down a trail and I, it was like 60 yards off the trail. That one I was actually on the ground walking when I seen that one. Mm. And that was basically, it was, you know, the, the acorns were there. And uh, that one I actually shot. And that one I actually had to wait till the next day. And I called uh, a tracker in from, I believe it was uh, from Reading. His name was Andy. Yeah, Andy Fencing. Yeah, Andy Fencing. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, so he came up and, you know, he said, you know, he came up the next morning and I started, showed him where it was. And like, I I couldn't, I didn't find much blood. Like, I don't know. I can't see red, like, some people like can't see blood, like, color red, like, blood, like, some mm-hmm. people are really hard seeing it. I have a hard time really seeing red. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I had to take a buddy out of mine the night before to even see if we had blood, and we found a little bit of blood. I mean, very little blood. And he came up the next morning, and we started tracking, <laughs> and uh, we basically, uh, we he, the dog got on its trail, and right away, within 10 minutes, we found the bear. And the bear actually had, like, a a bed, like, in basically a group of, like, eight freaking oak trees. Like, it was just, like, a round circle of them. Like, the bear had, like, a, you know, that's where it laid up at. And I basically, when the dog went up to the tree, I seen that bear was still alive, and I quick said something to him, and he yanked the dog off of it. Mm. And that bear basically got up and just started, you know, a fast walk away from us. And we you know, we just kept on pushing a little bit because, you know, trying to you know, get it to bleed out. Like obviously it was mortally wounded. It was you know, it was wasn't moving real fast. And then we could see where the, you know, I hit it at. And it was definitely you know, it basically ripped through the the chest cavity, but I didn't hit no vital I didn't hit like measure any vital any like. Yeah, you, know, you kinda grazed control. it through
1: across the shoulder there.
0: Yeah, yeah. So uh the was gonna you know, we knew the pharaoh was gonna expire. We called the game commission, but they were on something and you know how it is with them. It takes them forever sometimes. So, you know, upon discussing with him, I said to him, I said, it don't make, it don't say nothing in the book about, uh, you know, taking it with a, you know, a spear or a knife. It just says a, a shoulder powered firearm, you know? And, uh, I actually ran up behind that bear and I speared that bear. <laughs> I mean, I could have put that, I could have put my left hand on the bear's rear and I basically, you know, I just speared it. And the best part is I had to spear it twice because the first time I did it, I went too far. I hit too far forward and I missed all the vital organs the first time.
1: Oh my goodness.
0: Talk about getting Western. So Andy said, he goes, I hate to tell you, he goes, but you're going to have to spear that again. He said, you missed all the vital organs. I was like, Oh my God. So I went up and did it the second time. And when I did the second time, that's when that bear actually turned its head back and snapped at me. But like, it was still going away, but it just, you know, letting me know that it's like, you know, it just turned around, snapped its jaw at me, and I, did, you know, hit it the second time, and that bear crawled up on a like a sixty-foot oak tree, and Andy's like, he goes, that bear is going to die at the top of that tree. You watched, and it expired at the top of that tree. That was a that was an eerie one because that was actually the first bear and only bear that I ever heard do that meth that death moan.
1: Yeah. That's an eerie sound, isn't it? So the, oh, that was,
0: that was, that makes your hair stand up on, the, that was it, very eerie.
1: It is, it's like creepy. So the, the first two that I harvested with a rifle didn't do that, but the one that I shot this year with the bow did. And it was weird because, um, when I shot the bear, it was, uh, slightly quartered away and I thought it was broadside. So when I shot, I heard a very loud, distinct crack when the arrow hit it. And i it was so loud, I thought I hit the front shoulder. And when the bear ran away, I saw a lot of arrows sticking out. And my heart sank. I thought I just wounded this bear. I'm like, how did I not put a killing shot on this bear? And I'm like, uh, my heart sank. I'm down in the dumps. And it was no more than a minute after I shot, I heard I heard that. And then I knew right away that my eyes played tricks on me. And I actually put a good shot on and I ended up putting a, a fantastic shot, hit the offside shoulder and it went, I mean, 40, 50 yards and piled up and it was, it was done. But yeah, when I heard that it was, it was a sense of excitement and joy. And it was also like,
0: yeah, that's a little creepy. Yeah, that was, that was probably one of, that was very creepy and you know, just an eerie feeling like, and that was an area where after that, you know, the bear expired. Andy said to me, he goes, well, my job is done. I'm out of here. And. He said, you're good by yourself, right? I mean, I mean, I was all the way, we were all the way back in there now. We were all the way back in, you know, the middle of the woods now. And I'm like, and where we were at, I never seen so much bear sign in my life at one area before. It mm. was just, it was incredible how much bear sign was there. And he left and there I am. I actually was like kind of actually nervous being there with that. You know, I, I had no pistol on me. I had nothing. <laughs> I was actually nervous in that in that spot where I was at, where I was like, you know, my finally I got my brother and our other buddy to come. You know they made it to me on the four wheelers and stuff, but I was actually—that's the only time I think I was nervous in an area where I was at, where there was just so much bear sign, and everywhere you looked, there was bear droppings, and it was just unbelievable, the amount of sign of bear there.
1: Yeah, I was gonna—I was gonna ask you that too because I know a lot of people that go, "Oh, you're bear hunting? No, that's oh, you better have protection, this and that." And like I've—I've I've never been in a case other than once this year, and I'll share that quick, but I've never really been afraid or nervous by a black bear other than i had one time this past year in scouting season where i had a sow kind of make me a little nervous she had cubs and i was i ended up chasing them and then they she came back at me and that was a little bit of an eerie eerie situation other than that i've never had anything that really really bugged me but i mean you've uh, you've had a, lo- a little bit of a wild rodeo as far as experiences from bear hunting
0: <laughs> oh yeah well first it's Another story I wanted to talk with my uh, a buddy of mine actually hunting public land down by Beltsville this past year, during the archery season. Like he won't get a bear tag, and I don't know why, but he, he just don't want to shoot a bear, mm-hmm. which I don't. But he had a bear. Basically, he was get you know getting ready to leave, and basically a bear, you know, came just kept on coming towards him, and then he ended up getting up where he was sitting on the ground. He actually got up off the ground and walked away, and recorded this bear. And this bear like ripped. It, went through his, like, ripped his backpack apart and everything, mm. snapping his jaws at it and, you know, he basically left all his stuff there and had to go back the next day and get it.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's, I've heard of stories like that, I've never experienced anything like that, but I know it happens, because they, they definitely get into some unique uh, situations and personalities and sometimes they're, depending on where you're at as far as population dynamics and human interaction, sometimes they just don't have a fear.
0: No, definitely not, like, When I first bought my house where I was at, I had, uh, that first year I lived there, I had a bear. It was basically a bear around that everyone knew that was, it was already tagged, like, I think it had two tags on one side of its ear and one in the other or something like that. And, and, uh, I had that, I was sitting out on my porch one night with the dog and I heard, I heard something come crashing through the freaking woods. And here comes a bear basically charging up out the the tree line towards the porch and it was this, you know, it was probably around a 400-pound bear, and I know other people who had issues with it, and uh, that bear basically stopped 10 yards off the porch and just stood there, you know, looking at me, and I, of course, I threw the dog in, and, like, this bear wouldn't leave. So I I had the 357. I just, you know, put two rounds into the ground, like, by the porch there, just to, to, for the noise to scare it, and that bear didn't even flinch. It just it looked at me, and it just walked around the side of my house, and I called my buddy to tell him about it, and that bear ended up circling around my house and stuck around the back side of my house then to come by the porch. Wow. I had no idea what its motive was, but I mean I never had that happen before like that.
1: Yeah, can you imagine They're what like- it's like for folks in New Jersey for all those years where they didn't have bear hunting and the population grew and there was zero fear of humans? Like that is a perfect example of why bear hunting and conservation is extremely important. <clears throat>
0: Oh my god, yeah. I mean, I, I totally agree with that because, for instance, one one year I had I had a bear rip the door off to my my garage twice to get the garbage. Mm. And what I ended up doing was, I actually talked to the, one of the game wardens, and I said, I said, Dude, are you going to come trap this bear? I said, I'm going to, I, I got to do something with it. I said, this is just, that's a little bit too close to home, you know what I mean, when they do something like that. Mm-hmm. Because, you know I mean, I always put my garbage away because of, you know, obviously the bear's going to smell it and I mean, that's just how bear are. But to rip the door off to my garage twice, like, you know, I mean, it's just like a normal house door. Like, to to bust through that twice was pretty insane. That is insane. The game commission told me, he said, try hanging, you know, rubber gloves with pneumonia in it and put peanut butter on it. And I did that, and I have not had a bear at my house basically since then. Interesting. And then I know other people who, I guess they don't like the pneumonia. And then I know another buddy of mine had an issue with a bear. I told him to you know put pneumonia out. Didn't phase the bear. Oh, of
1: course. Yeah, you give him a good good piece of advice of something that worked for you, and then it doesn't work in that case. That's how usually how that goes.
0: Yep. (laughs) Yep. That's how it went.
1: Well, talk about a rodeo of experiences. Like I said, we we kind of you know through a shotgun pattern all over the place and bouncing back and forth of your hunting experiences and your bear experiences and I kind of wanted it that way just because I think it's exciting to hear when you when, when you find somebody that has that level of of experience and, and things that happen in the bear hunting woods because it's not it's not the norm I mean the if I think of I'm remembering correctly the statistics, I think they say three percent of bear hunters harvest bear each year. Uh, of the licensed sales three percent harvested um and i'm gonna i'm gonna quote my uh my brother in law's dad who's a, a good hunter, but he always says uh, 10% of the hunters get 90% of the game. So I think there's something to be said about, you know, you knowing somebody who's killed 18 or 19 bear in their lifetime and you're, you're off to killing five. I mean, there's no doubt there, there's things you've learned that have put you on that course. So I appreciate you coming on and just BSing about bear hunting and sharing your experiences. Cause those are all stories that after you hear it, it makes you think, all right, this is what I want to try to do to be a better bear hunter this year. And maybe kill my first one. Yeah. You
0: know, I mean, yeah. I mean, I appreciate having me on. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Well, maybe at some point we'll we'll do it again if uh, if you're willing. I, I appreciate you taking some time. And uh, hey, good luck with uh, the upcoming season. I know we're a little ways away from it. Um, enjoy some family time. Enjoy some uh, enjoy the winter for what it is. And in the meantime, you're gonna be like me. You're gonna be thinking about bear this fall.
0: Yeah. You ever want to go on a bear hunt? Let me know.
1: <laughs> uh, don't don't take that too seriously because i might take you up on that
0: <laughs> hey, hey come on up pick pick take a day during what season you want to go i'll take you up on a bear hunt go we'll, we'll bear hunt. sounds good cool. uh, real quick I, I wanted to share something with you that please do the guy who wrote that article sent me uh basically some uh like you know percentage things like on what on on like how many bear are actually harvested but like eleven to only eleven percent of hunters harvested five or more bears in their lifetime. And one point five percent harvested more than ten bears in their lifetime according to the Game Commission. Wow. And that the average number of bears harvested per hunter in a lifetime was one point five. I'll send I'll send you the article about it.
1: I did read the article, and I'll probably what I'll have to do after you know whether you send it to me, I'll put a link to that article in the description for this episode, so folks can read a little bit more because that was a well-written article and kind of interesting about the, the bear hunting and your experiences there too. So that'll be a, a good little extra piece of information to to
0: add to this. And then another thing: a 1.5 percent to 2.5 percent of bear license holders get a bear in any given year. Okay. So basically, that only that—that's a small percentage of people who get a bear every year. You know, hunters.
1: Yeah, I don't know if the numbers are accurate now, but I, I know there was one time I, I heard there was somewhere along the lines of 200,000 bear licenses sold every year, but we kill three to four thousand annually. That's that's
0: mind-boggling. That's 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 what it said to, for this year. I remember reading an article about that, and I, I think they only estimated that there's only 15,000 bear in Pennsylvania or something, something like that.
1: Yeah, I think at one time they re- uh, estimated twenty, and I, now I saw that number was in that fifteen. I mean, fifteen to twenty thousand bear, assuming that the accuracy of that's close. That's still a pretty good, pretty good chunk of, of, of black bear when you think about it. But I mean, it, there's it's they're not an animal like deer. You know, they their their numbers. Uh, it's a prey species. I mean, it's going to be. Uh, all things considered it's it's going to be in balance with with the ecosystem right (laughs) yep yep good deal you know but hey i appreciate you coming on um and uh we'll have to we'll have to get you back on for some more bear hunting stuff but thanks again ryan
0: perfect thank you appreciate it have a good one